Okay, we are back with a friend of all daf, Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brutt, who comes highly recommended even by Professor Schneer Lyman. So someone with credentials like that, we bring back to the show. We're here to discuss today as we are beginning, we are a few days in, to Mesechtes Yuma. Let's discuss something on everybody's mind. Why is Mesechtes Yuma being learned now? If you open up your Bavli, Rosh Hashanah seems to come first in most editions. Some of the other things we hope to get to are, although we already discussed with Nachi Weinstein, a common friend of Swarm Chatter Podcast, the relevant Swarm that are available and that are out there. We want to dig deeper into just a couple of them and discuss, as Yuma is a Kachim Mesechta, uh, how is Kachim learned throughout generations, and perhaps a couple of other surprises. Everybody's wondering, why is Mesechta's human being learned now? Okay, so the first question of why Masechtas Yuma, if you look in Yeshas Bavli, it goes Rosh Hashanah first and not Yuma, and by Dafyemi they learn Shkalem and Yuma. So, what happened? Is there any is there anything behind this? So, interestingly enough, already way back, Rosh Shirigain in this incredible early document, which is important to study in general about the history of everything to do with Mishnayis, the Gemara. One of the questions that Rosh Hashanah was asked was, is there a Seder to the Mishnayis, to the Masechtas in the, in the, in the Masechta? Each from each Seder, Masechta is their Seder. And basically, um, the question was specifically asked was, why is Matam Hegdimu Kippurim Lashkalim? The Lashon is Kippurim, um, for this Masechta, referring to Yuma. And later on, he, he says that in his yeshiva, what did they do? They learned, before Shkalim, they learned, um, they learned Shkalim before Kippurim. And Stam pretty much... They, they actually learned Masechta by Masechta from the beginning. Okay, I'm interrupting you, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not, it, exactly what, how they learned in, their, in the yeshivas is, um, you know, you can learn a lot from learning Rav Shuri Gain's about it. Um, um, There's it, a lot of information that could help one get a picture of what was done. The bottom line is that it sounds like from Rav Shuri Gain, and this, he has this nice piece about it, that there's no, um, you can learn whichever way you want. There was no specific seder, so to speak, if Yuma should be first, or Shkalm should be first, or, or Rosh Hashanah should be first, or Yuma should be first. Lamaisi, it sounds like in his time, they did learn Yuma before Rosh Hashanah. Okay. Um, the Rambam in his Hagdama also we find dealing with this question. Um, in the Rambam, he says, why is Shkalim go before Yuma? Interestingly enough, it's only because in the Chumash, Mitzvah Shkalim is found in Parashas Kisisa, whereas Kippurim is in Achrimais. Afterwards, goes Rosh, would go much later on in his list is Rosh Hashanah. And the Miri has a similar such type of list. Bottom line is that, the, that there are different lists besides the Rambam, besides Rosh Hashanah and the Miri, that have it um, the way we have it, so to speak, with Rosh Hashanah, um, like the Shafts Vilna, so to speak, where like, there's no concrete... Masaira one way or the other. Why Mayor Shapiro picked one way over the other um, is very possible because that's how he saw from the Hagdama to the Rambam and the Mishnayis, and that's how he chose to to um, to do it. Um, 
Lamaisa, the 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 chaykrim that are Isaac and these type of things, or Yaakov Nachum Epstein and Chanoich Alback, they bring lists of the seder both ways. So it doesn't really make a difference, but that's how it was and that's how it is. And Dafyaimi, you know, it's done up here a seder. It'll be very hard if people, some people are going to be doing Rosh Hashanah, some people are doing this. So they kept as a seder to keep. Why do we always see with Dafyaimi? It's nice to see Klaus all get together and agree on a certain mahalach. Yeah. It's, it's better, convenient, whatever, nothing more. But one thing, one very tiny side point that you see over here is we call the Masech the Yuma, but in Rav Shriagain already, we, and even in the Rambam, we see it's called Kippurim. So again, what was the original name of the Masechta? Again, the Yaakov Nachem Epstein and Chanach Halbeck, they bring different manuscripts that have different ways. Um, right away, the Marsha has a piece in the beginning of the Masechta, Talking a draft about why it's called Yuma, but these are all very these are side points. Um, in I mean, a Magidishir won't spend that much time at the beginning of a shear. I highly doubt. I highly doubt uh, shear really spend time on these questions. But people ask them. It's worth to know that people ask them already way back, as far back as Rashi going to ask the question. But it's not like there's such a big um, um, thing behind it. That's but Baruch Hashem, the Chokrim, as we like to call them, right? In Israel, <laughs> all over the world, that spend a lot of time analyzing. <laughs> um, okay, so should we move on to the next topic, which is, yeah. I guess, Yuma is a Kacha We don't find that many Rishonim. Maybe give us some background on Kacha Mechlal, Yuma, the Rishonim, how was it learned, before we get to what Svarim there are, or what specific ones you want to focus okay. on in depth. Okay, so some interesting things like, as follows. At first glance, when someone wants to know, in general, not only on this Masechta, what Rishonim there are in a Masechta, so there's a, there's a very useful tool. It was done, it's called Sari HaElef by Remenachem Kasher. Remenachem Kasher, what he did was, is he collected all the Rishonim on each Masechta and put it into a volume. It has other things in it. these two volumes have other material also. And one opens it up, let's say Masechus Yuma, and you'll get a list of all the Rishainim that they are, where they're printed, when they were printed. They'll have sometimes if someone commented about them. So if you open up a Masechus Yuma, and you'll see a nice list of Rishainim. So you'll say, oh, great, Masechus Yuma is like uh, Babakama that has a lot of Rishainim. So I'm, I'm safe, so to speak. Um, if I'm a Magadshir, especially if I, okay. Um, a careful analysis of the list will see will show that most of these mafarshim, these Chinam, do not go through the whole masechta. Um, and the question is why. Now, in general, the, the, it's known people, especially today, many people spend a lot of time in brisk. They know that there's not too many svarim of rishayim on kachim. The question is why not? So some people say that the reason is, is because they were lost. They were written, but they were lost. Um, just to say a, a story that I've heard many times, many times, Ben Azmanim in Eretz Yisrael, Yeshiva Bachem, they come into Hebrew University, and they want, they come, they heard the Hebrew University has many manuscripts, and they come looking for the cook, for, they want to find the Ritva or Rajba on Zvachem Menachas, and they envision that they're going to make a lot of money off it. Imagine if you find such a chash of a Rishon, um, 
on the Masechta and you print it, maybe you'll put it in some Haaris, you don't even need to put it in Haaris, people will grab it, it'll be a bestseller, and they don't realize, and they go ask, I've seen it myself actually, they go ask the different librarians, the people involved with this, and they laugh and they say, every year, amount of people that ask this question, like you, no one thought of it up till now to, to look for it, answers, it's not there, there isn't. Now, was there ever, it seems, and that's what I'm about to say, is such a, that as far as we know, most of the Rishonim did not really write Hiroshim on contracts. So the question is, why not? So before, before just, to, just to give you two, two very quick sources about this, we have an interesting letter preserved where the Rimigash was writing, where the Kuzari, the Yehuda Levi, wrote a letter on behalf of the Rimigash trying to get Perushim on Kachim and from other places and in this letter we see. And what we see clearly is that in Svarad, at least early back in that time, the Rimigash that we were talking about, they did not have Perushim on Kachim. A little later on, the Rajra Ramban, we do not have from them Perushim on Kachim. The Rush writes about an uh, interesting about it. he heard from a, he said he calls this person Adam Gadol de Barcelona. But he says this person was a great Baki in three Sadaram. And and in short, what came out from this the Nusach over here was that this person was saying how he did not know Kachim Zraim at all. That's what this person told the Rush. And as I said, the Rush said he was an Adam Gadol. So if the Rush is calling him Adam Gadol, I imagine he was someone that was Adam Gadol. Point being that there are numerous, um, many other Makairas that Kachim was not really learned. Prime Karnenfogel has a beautiful article at length, both in Hebrew and in English, where he deals with it and tries to explain different aspects to it. We're not going to go into all, all uh, we're not going to go into it, but in short, one of the aspects is it was not, a, it wasn't halacha, it wasn't Nagea for halacha, and there was a big focus on halacha lamaisa. Kachim was not is not Ariyayim, it's not Halacha Lamaisa, hopefully will be soon, and therefore their focus was much more on the Sadarim or the Chalakim of Shas that was Halacha Lamaisa, such as Tchulim, the parts that relate to the Basavachal of Shechita, these things that, that was learned, and there is Taira of even the Fachmei Svarad, but for the most part, it wasn't learned in the times of the Rishayim. What it means to say it wasn't learned, it wasn't written about. We see that they bring rise from Kachim, Rishayim all over, but it wasn't learned on the same level, the same intensity as, let's say, Babakam, Babansi, and the other Masechites. And I'm sure, to interrupt, I think you get to it maybe towards the end, that the Chavetz Chaim wanted to make it Allah Chalamaisa, so he somewhat brought it back. But Correct, correct. It's Hashem, yeah. It's Hashem. I hope to get that uh, shortly. Um, but now, in the yeshiva, in the yeshivas, and I'm not, when I'm saying yeshivas, I'm not talking about um, recent yeshivas, but in yeshivas, let's say, in the times of the early Achreinim, um, we do, from the evidence that we have of them, they, the Kachim was just not part, <clears throat> for the most part, was not part of the Seder. There were very few Achreinim, I'm talking about early Achreinim even, that spent time learning um, Kachim or writing about it. And uh, we'll get to it a little, a drop more um, when we talk about Chafetz Chaim and this discussion. Mordechai Breuer, who wrote a monumental book about the yeshivas throughout the ages, 
He also documents pretty much Kachim was not really learned. One place that we can mention that Kachim was learned, um, one yeshiva, although even there, when it was learned, it does not mean that everyone was learning it, but it was learned, and Shiurim were given on Kachim, was in Velazhin. We have the Natsivs Shiurim, including on Yuma, he gave Shir on all these Mesakos. But that was a very uncommon. Therefore, Yuma, although at first you open up your list and you see a long list, you'll see that most of these Mushainim and Mepharshim do not go through blot by blot on the Masechta. So are there any Rishayim that do go through the blot? Okay, so I guess you want to mention some of those Rishayim, and although like I mentioned at the outset, we went through what's there, what's available, you know, give us a little bit of a, a history of some of the main Rishayim before you get to the Okay, so first, I'm just going to mention a few different things. Um, hopefully, some interesting pieces, nothing um, groundbreaking. Yeah, nothing groundbreaking, but and everything very bekitzer. So, first of all, in 1714, we find that the Taisus Yishanim, which, if you open up your regular Gemara today, it's on the side, was printed. So, without getting into who is the Taisis Yisharim, it's early, it's very significant. In general, when one learns Taisis, every Nusuch that we have of a tais, of, of Taisis helps us understand. The extra words could help shed light, extra terrors, extra words to understand the Kasha, any, and anything people that um, today we have, we're Zaycha and a lot of Masechus we have, such as the Taisis Rush, they just help, they're just game changers in understanding Taisis. So, Taisis Yisharim already helped significantly when it was printed in 1714. Interesting tidbit, about, uh, interesting piece of information about it was that when the Shas's were, when Shas was being printed, the various times that Shas were being printed, um, let's say around 1714 when they wanted to print the Shas, they tried to print, one of the catches that they tried to get people to buy was they would put in new stuff that didn't exist in previous editions. So today they always do such a thing. They always try to improve what was done earlier. So um, this, in the, in, the, in the introduction of the 1714 edition of the Shas, they list out a bunch of different milas that they have. One such edition, they say, is the Taisis Yisharim on Masechta Siyuma, which is a significant thing. It's not like, you know, three little pages. It's uh, throughout the whole Masechta. And where did it come from? It came from the great library of Rebdavid Oppenheim. And, and um, it's mapped out in the various in the books there's a recent beautiful book on the library from the uh, Prince of the Press, where he has a few pages about this Shas, when this 1714 edition of the Shas, and how they went out of their way to get new material from this Hush of a library, Dabbed up and on. He had Rishayim, so this was not the only Rishon that they incorporated into their Shas. So it was what, so they had an intention of putting it out to make it better, so it should sell, but. But in truth, it helped greatly because now Yuma had an, a Rishon. There was no other Rishonim ever printed on, on the Masechta. This is the first time. Now made Yuma more accessible for someone to learn it. A few, a few years later, in, 17, um, in the 1750s, someone printed from manuscript a Sefer. He, the, some printed a Sefer called Aryukaris. In the back of the Sefer, he had the Ritva. But this work is very rare. Even today, I was looking a few days ago um, on Hebrew books, and I said, they have the Aryukaris, but they don't have a complete edition. 
So they do, which had in it the ritva and yuma. So we say that part was taken out, but it exists. Um, now, what's interesting is, I said that, that's interesting about the ritva, I said that this, in Svarad, pretty much they did not really write about this yuma. Uh, they didn't write about kachim. So here we have the ritva and yuma. And if you open up the ritva and yuma, it's a very thorough safer. Um, now, he does not quote Rambans and Rajbas and from that base, his base marriages that he's coming from, which is which is interesting. But more interesting is that the last parak of Yuma, which we hope to get to soon enough, which is the halachadika part of that's Nagaya today, not carbonistic, there he's very, um, we're there. A lot of the Rishayim that we do have have plenty to say because it was halachadik, and I said that the halachadika parts they did write about, the Ritva there is very, has very little, um, he writes very little. I don't know why, but I just found that very interesting. Anyway, these are the first, these two Rishayim, the Taisa Sisharim and the Ritva, are technically, in that period of time, if someone was learning the Masechta, those are the only things that existed. This, I, I'm pretty sure this, the, the Ritva is very rare, as I said, so I don't know how much of an impact it really had, but the Taisa Sisharim is on the page, so already then it has um, impact. Now, these are the, the first, these two things are Rishayim, we'll get back to Another reason that is a very significant, um, important addition to learning Masechus Yuma. But first, let's go through one achron. There's an achron. Everyone, you go ask any person who's learning, who learned Yuma before, they ask them which achron. They say, "Oh, the Sich Yitzchak." The Sich Yitzchak. Yes, yes. I must mention. We must mention that it's out of print and it's not available to buy in the Swarm stores. But as discussed in the Swarm Chatter podcast, it's available on Amazon for seven ninety nine, and there's a link that we could attach and send out the key reach out to us to get it on Amazon Prime. Wow, Sfarim on Amazon. Unfailing, Sfarim not available. It's amazing. You get, it to, you get it with Amazon Prime, you have it the next day. It's amazing what you could get this, these day, the, in this world today. Right. Um, now, the significance of the Sikh Yitzchak is as follows. Well, so I'm, I just want to talk a drop about the Sikh Yitzchak. As, as I'll just mention a few things. It's printed in 1776. The author, Rabbi Yitzchak Nunas, was a Dain and he was a Makubal. He also wrote on Chagiga, which is in print, which is, I don't know if it's available today. Hopefully, by the time that you get to Chagiga, it will be available again. I'm pretty sure it's out of print right now. But um, now, what was significant about the Sefer? So, that so much so that it becomes out of Yom from 1766, it's the go to Sefer on the Masech. So there's a few points to mention. First of all, in his Hagdama, he spells out that he had the Me'iri. What's so significant about this? This is the first time that the Me'iri is in print. What, what, um, now, he doesn't print the whole Me'iri, but he uses the Me'iri all the time. Now, earlier than this Sefer, there's no mention in a printed Sefer of the Me'iri. There's a few times, the Shittim Kubetzis, a few times mentions it, but the Shittim Kubetzis, most of the Masechtas were not even printed around uh, at this at 1766. They're coming out around then. So there's some Shittim Kubetzis, very little Miri. is the first time a Miri um, is used throughout a Sefer, and he mentions in Hagdama that I have the Miri. How does he have the Miri? So it seems that the Miri ended up in Italy. He's from Italy, this author, and we know that the Chida, literally a few years later, his incredible travels called the Magal Taif describes how he saw the manuscript of the Miri. And then the Miri is not seen pretty much until it gets printed. Today, every base Medrash has a set of Miri, everyone has a set of Miri, but um, 
for a long time, the Me'iri is not available or not used. The next time the Me'iri comes to print is in eight, on Yuma, is in, in its entirety, so to speak, is in, first time actually is in 1885. But he uses the Me'iri. He uses the Ritva that I just mentioned was printed only a few years earlier. And the Tesis Ishanim, he goes, he, he, he writes so much about the Tesis Ishanim that he has, quotes a Chalik of a Sefer is to the, is, a, is in the Lashon of the, the Taisis Yishanim, um, and recently looking into it, the, the, uh, uh, there was a recent edition based on another manuscript of the Taisis Yishanim that came out in the 90s, in the 1990s, and he says is that it's interesting is that he was mamish on, on target in many of his corrections, even though he didn't have manuscripts, he was correcting this apisvara, he was mechavan to the to the Lushan many times correct his, his points were really, really on target in the Lushan as Tikkun, which is a, a special talent that not everyone has. Now, he, what's also significant is, so first of all is, point number one is that he's using all the Rishonim that exist, he's, that, that he had, that no one else had in the Eri, Taisis Yishonim, which is just comes onto the market, the Ritva comes on. He's aiming on, he goes through every Rashi, every Taisis, he has what to say, he's dealing with Yushalmi, Taiseftis, Taiskei Hanim's, very, very shadow-oriented. It's full, literally everything. He talks about everything. Um, it will be interesting to be to catalog his library because he quotes a Veltusvarum, not only that, and it's extremely, what's the most significant, shadow-oriented. It's not shtikotaira, um, not pulpul, very, and therefore, that's why it helped in, in the safer indoor through the time till today, um, the various... Um, translations of the Shas use the Sefer, it's quoted in almost every footnote. And it became basically such a, a unique thing that it became the go to Akhren on the Masechla. One last interesting point um, is that he quotes already in the introduction that he had a manuscript of a Ravavram ben Musa, who was a Makubal that died in, this, in 1733. He was a great Makubal, very well known Gadol at that time, prolific. Either, but none of, but he none of his material was printed in his lifetime. Um, he was he was extremely important in the world of Kabbalah in the in the in the in the North African world, um, and him and his son also was. And he wrote a lot. He, one safer that he wrote was on Saita, which was printed uh, 20, 30 years ago by Hava Shalom. And when we when Dafiyami learned Saita, it's a great safer to use, and. Again, here, the Sikh Yitzchak had the manuscript of this Sefer. The way it works is, you know, the world um, always making discoveries. This manuscript actually came out two, three years ago. So one not only has, and now Sikh Yitzchak quotes it a few hundred times. Now you could, you don't, I don't know if you could get it through Amazon, but I think, I'm pretty sure it's available in print. You could get this Sefer, which is also a very pshat, very thorough shot oriented safer focusing on Rashi Tysis and the Gemara. Okay, those are those are uh, that's the the main famous Achrin called the Sikhiat. So now okay. I want to okay. Yeah, well, yeah I'm gonna, before I get to the Gurusari, one other safer, which is very um, significant to talk about, and then we'll get to the Gurusari. I mentioned Rishainim. We said there's the Ritva, there's the Sishanim. Now, there's a Sefer, again, uh, you could get this, you could actually get online on Hebrew books, it's a Chachma, um, Rabbeinu El-Yakam. 
was printed in the 50s, 1950s from manuscript. What, it was printed by Yerav Yanachovsky, and he, gives, he, um, he printed it from manuscript. And the question is, um, what's so significant about this Sefer? And it happens to be this Sefer, it's a mapecha, what this Sefer is about. Just to give a mamash a drop of background about this Sefer. Um, as follows. Um, hold on one second. In the 1860s, there was a Sefer, there was a fellow, not fellow, a, 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 a Goyen, his name was Ramnasan Rabinovich. He started working on a Sefer called the Diktuke Sefer, which, which, without getting into the Barichos, was he collected the various Neschais from manuscripts of the Talmud and he printed on a, a, a many Masechtas. Each Masechta that he would go through, he would track down the many Rishonim that there were in manuscript. And a lot of times he had manuscripts um, that we only today only today you get printed, but he had them ready then. Okay, not important not, uh, for a different time. It's a whole interesting story how he got he how he gets all this, um, and he uses them um, in his farm in his footnotes throughout the sefer. Early on, he wrote notes on the Shem Hagdolim of the Chida. He talks about this Rebel Yakum that he knows about this manuscript that is a manuscript of Rebel Yakum on Masechtas Yuma, and. In letters, he has letters with the various people. We, they were printed in, the, in a Yeshua in a, a, a bunch of years ago. Again, dealing with Rebel Yaakov. He, in his Dekutu Seifen and Yuma, he says, I have this amazing Sefer, this manuscript from Rebel Yaakov, and I'm going to use it all the time. And he does, and he quotes pieces, Gersais, everything from it. So the question is, what is this what's so significant about this Rebel Yaakov? The answer is as follows. Rebel Yaakov is Mamash Abendoire of Rashi. It, his, his age is very similar to Rashi. He learned by the same Rabbeim of Rashi. It's possible, according to some, that they might have even learned at the same time. They might have even learned Pechavrusa, there's a legend, such a thing, which it's very possible. It's not like our answer. And it's brought down that he wrote on four Siddharim of Shas, this mission. But it didn't survive. But Masechtas, Yuma, was discovered, as I mentioned, the Duke Seifim was using it in his thing, and then the, the work in its entirety in the, in the 1950s is printed. When you open up the Sefer, the Sefer is written very, very similar to Rashi, extremely pshat, word for word, in the, every word in the Masechta. It's mamish gold, what, what, what we have over here, or Rishon, and as I said, it's very thorough, it goes through the whole Masechta. We, it happens to be they discovered parts on Tinus was printed um, 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 a bunch of years ago, and more recently, new parts on Tinus were printed. But as a whole, we are missing um, most of this perish. So what's so significant about it? Very interesting, um, um, this, this last point, and then we'll move on to the next uh, safer, is that we know Rashi didn't just come out of nowhere and write his perish. Today, it's established that there was, there was existing Purushim beforehand. The Chachmei Neget, the Talmidim of the base Medrash of the Maram, of Rogershim Mergoyim. Now, they were known as the they were known as the Chachmei of Amayans. Rashi, what Rashi was able to do was, he had an unbelievable Kayach 
to take the material before it. He was able to fine tune it. He added in his own stuff also. Um, this is done, This we know this based on comparison of all the various different um, fragments and pieces that we have. And Rashi created what we have as Rashi, this incredible work that, uh, you know, timeless, Galistic Pirish, um, you know, the greatest, maybe the greatest Pirish on the Talmud that we have. But when we have this, and you learn the Masechta. So first of all, you have a Pirish, besides Rashi, going through word for word, line by line. Mamish in the Dur of Rashi, and you could see the difference, because a lot of times you could see the difference between Rashi, what um, they don't say it's the same thing, but you could see where they're all coming from. They come from the same world. In general, the point is, it's a very good guy to look at. As I said, it's on Hebrew books, and you can look at it and, and gain a lot from it. Okay, and the last safer that we'll just discuss is as follows. The Gurusari, um, the Shagasari, everyone very familiar with the Shagasari, one of the Gedoyle Yoylam of the Achreinim, Bandaira of the Gra, and he wrote a safer, one of his farms that he's famous for, Shagasari, many people, it's famous, their Bar Mitzvah Shetel has to do with the Shagasari, um, but he also wrote Svaram on Shas. The Sefer, one of the Svarim that he wrote is on Masechtas Tainus. Another Sefer that he wrote is on Masechtas Makas. He wrote on Masechtas Rosh Hashanah. He wrote on Chagiga. And also Yuma. And now the Sefer on Yuma was only printed for the first time in 1907. But who printed it? That's what's interesting. The Chofetz Chaim. What happened is as, as follows. The Chofetz Chaim was trying to make a mapecha in the world, as mentioned earlier, to Avlim Mekachim. So, he felt that, and he, and the Chavetz Chaim has a whole chibur, why the significance and the importance of learning Kachim, but in, one, one of the, in order to learn, you need to have some kalim, svarim. So Chavetz Chaim went ahead and even printed, he tracked down a few of the Chashev Achreinim that existed on Kachim, and he reprinted them also. He found out that there was a Gurusari from the great Chagasari, one of the Oinev Mitta, and he made sure to print it. The Chavetz Chaim's son, in his incredible biography of his father, he writes that when my father found out that there was a Ksav Yad of the Shagasari in Yuma, and um, he, he, he made sure he did not rest, this incredible Sefer, which ended up becoming extremely famous on this Masechta too, like everything else that he wrote. And this helped because the time held that he needed to the Kachim is extremely important, and we need to learn Kachim, and we need to have the Kalim. So one of the ways is if you have the Svarim. So the Chavetz Chaim went out of his way to track down the manuscript and to print it, and through this way, through this Mazaycha, we have the Gurusari. Now, just to, to be Messiah, what's one interesting thing is the, the Shagasari, what's the Mahal for the Sefer? Again, the Sefer is extremely thorough, extremely intense, extremely beyondic. Um, very Kadai if someone wants to learn uh, even a sugya, one or two sugyas be even while they're learning the daf. It's Kadai to spend time, break your head over a shtika from the Gurusari. And I'd like to end off, although the Shagasari is extremely famous, everyone knows about him, but there's an interesting, um, um, interesting quote about him that uh, he, as is known, he lived for Arichas Yamim. He was a dying and met Saif Yama for many years in France. And <laughs> There's a description over there when it talks about him that he was okay. We know he was bucking everything. He knew Shas, 
a, a new um, Babli Yerushalmi, but here's this interesting tzitut, a quote about him, which I find fascinating. First, it says that he knew everything, okay? Then it says, he, what did he know? So the list says as follows. This is written by someone in the city um, right before he dies, right after he dies. It says that he was back in Safra, Sifri, Tesefta, Sefer Hazayar, Tikune Hazayar, Kabbalah, which are, these are facts about him that are not um, all that well known. He knew he didn't like to do, um, um, he didn't like to do Nisim and stuff like that, Pu'ulis. But it was known, this is what it says in this, in this, uh, this source, that he, there was a mice over there that he, with a Kamea, that he did with a Kamea. And just then off, he was Meyerdik, he used to sat and learned with Talis and Tfilm the whole day, he used to fast a lot. And he, and he learned Keseder, Shas Balpeh, Sefer Azayar, and he was Bucky and Kisferi's. Now, what, why am I quoting all this? It's known, everyone knows that, that the, the Shagasari was unbelievable going in Tyra and Nigla. This shows him in a whole different light that not like his, the same person, his dar and his dar, the Vilna Gain. It's known that the, they both shared a great Talmud, Rukhaim Velazhner. Um, so some people say the Gra was, was the Gra in Nistar. And the and the Shagasari was the was the going in Nigla, the such uh, statement. But here we see that the Shagasari also had plenty what to do with in Mister Two. And to get to that, the, those are the some of the interesting svarim and material that's could I to to know about on the Masechta a little. Okay. Bit. Sounds very very interesting. Thank you very much for sharing especially some history about the Siach Yitzchak and about Rebel Yakim, Rebbeinu El Yakim, Rebel Yakim. And just to um, wrap it up, there's somebody in Lakewood named Rabbi Chaim Weissman, who's done a lot of work on the Gvur Sari. He actually written a sefer on Yuma called Teres Yuma, and he's done a lot of work on the Gvur Sari. Um, it should be available soon. I know the Masechta has already started. Perhaps by now it's out. Um, so anybody wants to get in touch with him, his email address is machon, S-A-M-A-C-H-O-N-S-A at thejnet.com. They can be in touch with one of us for more information about getting that safer as well. Okay, so thank you very much, Rabbi Brat. Looking forward to hearing you perhaps on this Masechtas. Maybe you have something, some other things up your sleeve you want to share with us. Feel free. We're always looking forward to hearing some more interesting historical information on any Masechta as we go through the Daf Yemi cycle.